0: Good morning, or good afternoon, or good soon-to-be afternoon, or good evening. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. I don't know how I'm mellow right now. I just had my two and a half cups of coffee getting ready to go to the gym. My routine. We'll talk about routines and habits a little later. But uh, it is the Keys bartender show, and sometimes it's going to be Some of the things I say I realize is kind of hypocritical because I've been guilty. I realize I've been guilty about the things I talk about. And I talk about these things sometimes so I can, I don't know, cure, but alleviate my behaviors. And one is about treating tourists the right way. The keys are our tourist economy. And it's not just about me. A lot of people, when they come in here and to... The Catch restaurant at Mile Marker 102, Oceanside, open every day, lunch and dinner. When they come in there and they come to the bar and they say, they're so happy when I they talk to me. And I talk back to them and I'm friendly and I'm suggestive of things they should try and, and do. And they said several times I've had people come and say, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, your guys are so nice. That's so great. And I go, oh, well. Sometimes they tell me about being treated rudely someplace else. And uh, I always think, what the hell? We're a tourist economy. We are a tourist economy. Argue about it what you want. There's other things that happen down here. We have properties for sale and stuff like that. But we're tourists. We're vacation mecca. And in order to attract more tourists, we have to be tourist-minded, tourist-centric, thinking about them. I'm not going to be suggestive to people that if you're having a bad day, it's really busy, you're not being backed up by your fellow staff members and things like that. That things could get tough and I've been there. When it's hard to be nice. When it seems you're set upon by all these people. And sometimes not every tourist is the perfect tourist. When they come in here or visitor. Sometimes they could be rude and loud and obnoxious and presumptive. But uh, I try not to be that way. I try, and sometimes I fail. Sometimes I fail. I just try not to be that constant. Don't let if if I feel really negative and someone says, "Hey, what's wrong?" I got to just step back, take a breath, and think about it. Think about where my bread and butter is. My bread and butter is tourism now my locals obviously my locals they'll tell me right away what's wrong with you and stuff like that they have no problem telling me that stuff and, and for that I'm grateful and we can't always be on our best but we don't have to start out being at our worst so sometimes you just have to take one for the team and the team is everyone down here not just your locale I try not trash-talking other places of business or other cities in the Keys you know, Key West serves its purpose, Marathon, Isle Mirada, Big Pine Key, Duck Key, all those ones. They play a crucial role in the image of what the Florida Keys is about. You always hear this thing, they'll get it in Keys time. Well, I'm not a big believer in that. That means that people just take their time doing things. Well, I mean... They got to do what they can in the time allotted, and you have to be efficient. If you're taking care of tourists and you're heavily um, traffic through, you better move your ass, get things done, do it right. So, I just want to put that out there. Like, remember, if you're a listener and you live in the Keys and you are interacting with tourists, or if you're a resident and you interact with tourists. Tourists come in, they use the supermarkets, they use the stores, they they shop. A lot of these small gift shops are very dependent on the tourists. You're not going to have a bunch of locals going down to a gift shop buying key stuff or these signs. People come in and they see these kitschy sh- signs that they have that are made from cutouts of driftwood and then painted. Like you have this beautiful driftwood and then they paint it. I never get that because you can actually, once you paint something with a bright tropical colors, does it matter if it's made of plastic or wood? Can you tell you can make it with injection molding? You can make it look like a piece of wood. So once it's painted, it's just kind of ridiculous that they do that. I never get that when they get a beautiful piece of uh, driftwood and someone, someone paints over, uh, well, they take pictures of it and they think it's kitschy and they, they go, oh, look, I'd rather be down in the Keys partying or drinking than up freezing my ass off in the north. I'm going to take a little pause right now. I'm going to come right back. I know this little thing. I'm sorry. I'll be back. Wrong number. Yeah. What do you think? It's just a wrong number. We're going to get to that. So what a timely thing, because I want to talk about that after I'm done. Once again, uh, the way I look at it is when you run into a tourist and they're here, just don't think about yourself. I understand it's inconvenient when there's the restaurants are packed and so is the shopping center, the parking lot and all that stuff. We're going to be rolling in. We're almost out of the busiest part of busy season. Supposedly from my friends that work in the hotels and motel industry, the reservations go through May and there's no end in sight. but I have imaginings that that will change once the rest of the country opens up and the weather gets better because there's a lot of different places to go once the weather gets better and see the effect because not everyone can just keep on vacationing and stuff like that but it would be nice it it is nice for a recovery here to have it we've had an extended busy season it started early and it's been going like gangbusters but if you're not in the tourist industry, directly affiliated with it, just remember <clears throat> people that uh, if you're in real estate, the people that buy your homes could be people that visited down here or could be working in management in some of these fields and things like that. Tourist industries, you're, you're affected, your neighbors are affected by it, people you care about, hopefully you care about someone. So we got to keep the tourism industry vibrant down here and part of it is taking care of the tourists and being having a modicum of pleasantries and not to immediately reject and treat them as their outcast when they come in here Uh, that not that being said I understand sometimes it could be a hassle but listen that is our thing and we uh, most people come down here they want to have a good time that's all they want They're not asking, they're not taking anything away from you. They're just sharing a little time here with us in paradise. Moving right along, the phones, just like right now, the phone just rang. It was the wrong number. I have a side business. It's a notary signing business and I have to take the phone because I say I'm available like on Friday till 3 o'clock. On Friday till 3 o'clock. And I have to be available to take the call and do any signing assignments that come up here. Well, recently, over the last 20 years, there's been a transition. Originally, when you had a cell phone that had a federal no-call list, and you couldn't call it. And now people have these other options. And I'm talking about telemarketers or telescammers. Primarily, I'll put it to the telescammers The telescammers are the worst when it comes in. We call up and they try to get you on something. Or they're calling from another country. You have phone banks. And they use local numbers. Because of voice over internet. Uh, I think it's uh, voice over internet calling. It's something that you could show a local number. But you could be in Mumbai, India or Bucharest, Romania. Making a phone call to the United States and it looks like it's from your same area code and they could be doing anything, could be running a scam, doing a marketing thing. So they're not as concerned, they're not concerned at all about any fines. Because they can impose a fine on a foreign company, but there's no way to enforce it. And also that has affected telemarketers too. The way telemarketers I used to do cold calling all the time when I was in the software business. And we sold software to Nonprofits, hospitals, medical education uh, places. And we would call up and ask for the director of IT or the finance department that authorizes a budget for companies or for nonprofits. And sometimes when you didn't have the name, you'd have to ask who's in charge of this and that. And you're not always treated correctly. I understand that, especially when you're cold calling. People don't want to have to talk to a salesperson sometimes. They just they feel pressured. They they just have a stereotype of a salesperson. They're trying to sell me something that I don't want. And that's amped up further when it comes in with the scammers. They call up and try to tell you social security numbers being used. Or you won a prize. Or like on Facebook, there's tons of it now. It's amazing. It's amazing. And that affects the answering of the phone calls and the people that are charged with calling because it's harder to make a phone call nowadays. It's harder to make a a cold call. Years ago, you used to get calls from the local newspaper, and they'd ask you if you'd like to accept home delivery. Nowadays, it would be, I don't know how hard that would be. First of all, people don't receive the delivery of the newspaper at home. They get a lot of it online or on television. So you wouldn't want to make them all the, half the phone calls if they don't recognize a the number they don't answer and if they do answer it they're they're dismissive and i've had a lot of fun talking to people that are uh, trying to scam me and've i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed it sometimes i've recently the 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 regular scam it looks like it comes from someplace in the eastern part of the world and it's uh, they use a automated voice you know romantic robotic voice saying your social security number has been associated with fraud please uh, hit one to speak to an investigator and then once you hit one and I do it because I say what the hell is this about this is a new one this happened in last less- three, four months. And I go, oh, this is an interesting one. And the person picks up as an Eastern accent. And they'll call themselves agent so-and-so. And and they try to make the name easy. Though you know they're not a Parker or a Smith or a Williams. They may use that name. And I go, oh. You know, and sometimes I would try to talk to them. Or other times I would just say, this is so-and-so of... So and so county sheriff's department. Why are you calling me? And they'll hang up. Or you've reached this is a law firm you called. Or this is a government agency. It's it's always interesting. And sometimes I haven't done it in a while. I, I should have kept them on. Because when they ask for payment or ask for normally they ask for a gift card. Yeah, they, that's the best way to get a gift card because you don't have to. Tr- track the payment it's easy to just uh, extract the funds from a a card and there's there's no recourse after that I mean you could and then it's easy for people to get it I mean I guess with credit cards credit cards will stop they'll stop payment if they see there's a transfer of fund going to let's say Rangoon and they'll say oh this this seems to be a scam so they'll hold off and they'll contact the people. But I've received phone calls from salespeople and they'll ask for, they'll just call up and they'll wait for the name. Hey, this is Catch Restaurant Jim speaking. And they'll know it's not the owner and they will hang right right up. And that, that's probably a salesperson. Or it could be a wrong number, but we get it many times. We get the same number calling up and we have other people that would ask for the owner. And so, I'm sorry, they're not av- and they just hang up. They just hang up when I and I just think, "Wow, you don't understand this that I can block your number now and you'll never have a bite at the apple talking to this owner again of this business." So I really don't quite understand how that affects people like that, but I can understand how how people that used to make Cold calls, because how are you supposed to? How are you supposed to find a need if you're a company that sells point of sale systems to a restaurant? The best way to get your sale is to pre-qualify someone. Say, hey, listen, do you have a system? Are you happy with your system? Do you have this? I, I sell this. You know, we get tons of phone calls from Google asking. Uh, for us to update our Google listing at the restaurant, we always get automated phone calls, and we also now we get Google Reserve. I think it's called Google Reserve or something. It's an automated system for making reservations through Google. It's, it's one reason you got you you can't go any faster with the automated systems. And I have this thing. If you listen to the show over the years, I don't like being rude to anybody or thing, even artificial intelligence. I don't like hanging up. I, I hired uh, well, hired. I paid for an app that's a virtual assistant. And I won't you know, I, I maybe get angry sometimes, but I try not to do it. And I always think in the back of my head, hey, you know, someday when they get all powerful the, you know artificial intelligence takes over. Maybe they'll remember it and say at least at least this guy was polite to us, and he listened, You know, he treated us with some common sense. But I I know there's some people. There was a recent one of a couple of years ago. There was a our one of our co hosts used to curse at Surrey all the time, and say I said uh, you know that's just you know first of all it's funny, but second of all. You know, someday you might be on the top of their list for extermination. So watch out. Now, lastly, while we're at it, because we're in the restaurant business, we see a lot of different things. And it's not just restaurant. This is whole life. Sometimes we have habits that we have a hard time breaking. And... It's easy to stop doing something, but it's hard to stay stopped. Like, try that with breathing or going underwater and stuff. You can hold it for a certain time. If you're really strong, you could probably pass out and die. That's good. That's bad, but that means you have a pretty strong will or maybe you got a weak respiratory system. I don't know. But it's easy to stop drinking, eating, working out, being sedentary, whatever. You could do anything for like a little while. But it's hard to stay stopped doing things. Uh, think of the guys that do hunger strikes. The IRA was famous for that, but I'm sure a lot of other groups did that. And that was to bring light to the plight of political prisoners. So Bobby Sands, the most famous of it. He went on a hunger strike. Now, I don't know what the psychology and physiology of a hunger strike is, but it's really hard not to eat for the first day and the second day. But something must happen. Once you start, once you go on a hunger strike, your body starts shutting down and things like that, you become lethargic. Now, it's, it may, that, that's one of the things that are kind of counterindicative indicative of what I'm saying. But that's not the same with drinking water or breathing or things like that. Try to die from being dehydrated, not drinking water. That's, I, I you never hear anybody not doing that. Your body gets hard to breathe. You get parts. I mean, I'm sure people have done that. I'm sure there's people have done that. I just chose not to drink water anymore. That's a hard way to kill yourself. And remember killing your um, like people ending your life which is i guess a habit your life is a habit a lot of people more people have made half-hearted attempts at suicide than have made well eventually if they keep on trying i guess they they don't but I, a lot of people have done uh half-hearted attempts at suicide and survived a lot more than at least the first ones and this comedian John Mulaney, has, who has a history he's kind of isn't, he's currently going through a substance abuse issue but he previously he had he had a serious drinking problem and substance abuse problem or mainly drinking he talks about he talked about it in his act he used to incorporate it in his act he would talk about it all the time but he would say how he isn't drinking at the time like I am. And, but a lot of people don't incorporate into the act that they're back doing those things. But M- Mulaney would say, like, it, it's over the last four or five months, he's, he's developed, an, I mean, he's gone back into rehab and things like that. But in one of his acts, he says, and I'm going to paraphrase this, that it's 100% easier not to do something than to do something. That it's so laudable that you are doing something. And he was saying about people. He opened with it one of his stand-up shows. He says, for you just being here. Because it's so much easier. And he talks about how people don't want to do their job. or Don't want to, you know, in the end. It's just they don't want to do their job if they don't like their job. And that's kind of like with your habits. Once you get a habit that gratifies you, like a couch potato, watching TV, there's some gratification, but there's probably some depression involved with that, but you don't even recognize it. But you think it's, it's easier to be a couch potato than to be active, turn off the TV and stuff like that. It's easier to eat one cookie No, it's easier to eat more than one cookie than to see a big plate of cookies just eat one cookie if you're an overeater. Okay? So, you hear people about drinking, overeating, uh, watching TV, people that are always peeking at their neighbor, sunbathing, or guys that masturbate all the time, or guys that masturbate while they're picking at their neighbor's wife's son That's something they get into and they get gratification from. And it's hard to stop those things because you've got to replace that gratification with another gratification. And if you had, years ago, when I was young and my body would uh, just naturally slough off the fat and I was lean, I never had to work out. My body did it for me. I just went and did things. I drank. I smoked. I i could work a double. And then I started, when I get into my later 20s, into my 30s, I started feeling it. You really start feeling it. For some reason, I think I was attempting to quit smoking. And when I was quitting smoking, I was trying to do something side by side with it. And that was exercise. So I would, instead of, I knew it was almost impossible for me not to to stop smoking when I was just sitting around in my apartment watching TV or reading or drinking. It was impossible. So I'd have to do something that would make it difficult for me to smoke and make me think about not smoking. And that was walking. And I started walking I started out just a couple miles. Now, I was younger then. I was in my, I think I was in my early 30s, And I eventually got up to about 20 miles a day. Yep, I was doing that at least twice a week, 20 miles a day. I'd do a long walk. And I would go from my house in Philadelphia down to the river, Delaware River, which was a couple miles there, walk all the way down. And we do, some of the walks were up to 25, 26 miles. Now I always walk and I wear a backpack, carry my water, I wear hiking boots. And I would just walk. And it would take me all my days off, all day to do this stuff. And I'd be tired and I'd be accomplished. And after you're done doing that, it would be hard for me to justify smoking a cigarette after I did so much good for myself. So I was using, obviously I was using other things. I wasn't doing the cold turkey things. I've seen people do the cold turkey and you know, God, that's great. That's great that you stop. But for, for me, that's what it was like. And then when I got a little older, I, I stopped walking. I didn't have the extra time. I got involved, got married, so I needed to replace that with something, so I went back to the gym. And I started smoking again for a while. Now the The drinking thing was entirely different. I had to go to meetings. And going to meetings replaced that time. I replaced the time that I spent in bars with going to uh, meetings. I was a bartender when I first stopped drinking. And I still am a bartender. But I went for seven years. Now, like I said before, it's easy to stop. And the length of how you stop is what kind of techniques you use while you're stopping. And in case drinking it was going to meetings and and eschewing alcohol. But eventually, I thought, well, let me give it a go. Maybe I can have a drink because I thought in my head, you know, wow, what what's so bad to have in one drink? Really? And you know what? A couple times in the beginning, that was it, one drink, have a glass of wine, do this. I could do it. But you know what? Eventually, it was... Sitting outside the Publix once I get a little uh, wine. I mean, I never drank wine before. I mean, I drank wine, but that wasn't my go-to thing. I would buy the wine, put it in a water bottle, drink that. Drink like 16, 20 ounces of wine like that. Just to get a buzz on. And I said, holy shit. It was apparent. And I did it for... How long did I go out there for? Five years. Not all drinking like that, but I would sneak out with getting when the girls would go out to uh, leave in the morning to go to um, my wife would drop my daughter at school. She'd go to the gym. I wasn't going to the gym at that time, and I would just drink until a couple hours before work so I could sober up, and then I'd start drinking at work, sneaking it. You know, being thinking I was sneaky pouring it. But it's not about drinking. I'm not talking about drinking. I'm talking about not doing something. And I could be eating too. There's a nutritionist I went to and he was a big man. And when I say a big man, I'm being kind. He was close to 400 pounds. Yes, a 400 pound nutritionist. It's much like a coach. A coach doesn't have to be a world-class quarterback. In order to coach quarterbacks. Or to f- football. Think of all the football coaches that were in horrible shape. And they couldn't do anything. Let alone run 50 feet. But there were good coaches. They knew how to coach. Well this nutritionist knew a lot about nutrition. And you had to look beyond his thing. It's like those doctors that used to smoke all the time. Smoke like chim- chimneys. And giving you advice. That's just the thing. Right? And. Today, I'm approached by people that I, I, there's people that come into the bar and their hands are shaking when they pick up the drink. And I've had a couple days like that. I didn't do it too much where I don't know if I ever had a much as much as that. Maybe I did. I, I it's hard for you to see yourself in the end, but. My hand was unsteady for several times, but to some people, their hands are always unsteady. And they got to get that first drink into them to calm it down. Well, that's the beginning of DTs, and it's very dangerous for people that are heavy drinkers. You got to be really careful about what you're doing. And if you're going to stop doing that, you should see a medical professional to help you out to go through that. You, You just can't do that. You shouldn't, if you're a really heavy drinker, you should have someone with you. They should be prepared and, you know, there's just a way of handling that. Not so much with the overeater. The overeater, they go through their own thing. So the overeater, you see them come in there and the person is, you know, very heavy. And I've seen people they crack the chairs and stuff like that. It's very embarrassing. I feel, um, I don't feel, I feel appreciation for their plight. How's that? I appreciate their plight. Meaning, they're in it so deep, it's hard for them to see, what does it matter now? I'm this far gone. I'm this far gone. Well, you can see it much worse. People that can't leave their house or can't leave their rooms where they have to actually bust out the windows and get forklifts and stuff like that to get them out. There are extreme examples of it. And if you're able to go to a restaurant, you are mobile. And you see them at the theme parks. They get in, they get those little carts. And we like to make fun of the unfortunate. And they are unfortunate. Because you think about it. Who wants to be that? Who wants, who, who always thought their dream was to be that? Patton also made a joke about that coming out. But no he doesn't want to be like that. No one wants to be an object of ridicule. No one wants to show up on a plane and say they need a seatbelt extender. I mean, it's got to be, God, I feel for, and I really do. I'm so, I, I feel for that, and I know how it is. Because we always, if you're aware and you're self-aware, it's got to be super painful. Super painful. And then your body adapts to it. Your brain adapts to it. You go into the denial. You can't do anything about it. So it's hard to broach someone that you want to come up and they belly up to the bar. No pun intended because that's what we use. We come up to the side, all up to the bar, whatever you want to call it. And they order 20 wings. And you look at them and say, well, that's necessarily how they got to this status in life. Being obese is eating 20 wings. I could see myself getting that way. I love food. I absolutely love food. Food is gratification. Food gives you immediate gratification. Right before I did a show, and I'm taping this in the morning. In the morning at 10, 30, 25 minutes after 10, I'm eating chicken lo mein. I'm able to, at this point, I won't have to eat till like right before I go to work, and I'll eat maybe some rice cakes with uh, peanut butter. I love, I love, I love desserts and things like that. And since I stopped drinking, the sweets. At one point, uh, when I right when I before I had the surgery and right after I had it in December this uh, neoplasm on my neck. I was downing almost a bag of wintergreen mints, lifesaver wintergreen mints, which are great, but that's a lot of sugar. I mean, I had a feeling I was turning myself diabetic. That's a bag of sugar a day. That's horrible. And I wasn't in horrible shape. You couldn't tell, but you know, I looked bloated. I, I was poisoning myself with sugar. And it sounds a little extreme, but I was. Poison myself with sugar. There's a way to do poison yourself. You can poison yourself with caffeine. You can poison yourself with water. You can drink too much water. You can work out too much. There's always things. People that over tan and do all these things. You can take something good and turn it into something bad. But to get turning it to something bad, good, you know, there's a moderation for it. You got to break the habit. The other one, and you got to see the usually the good things that you get are a long payout long investment strategy right it's like an IRA you got to start early and got to keep doing it and there's never like a retirement account it's never too late now you don't see the results you see when you start younger but you're always going to see results, and you just got to take it easy. And it's always different results, you know, for the overeater, for the people. You just try to replace it, and and broaching that is very difficult. Broaching the subject with the person. Are you going to tell someone, someone, hey, listen, I noticed that with the food you order and things like that, maybe you should cut back on the food, drink some more water, um, not eat so much fried food, do a little exercise. Yeah, yeah, they know they never thought of that. Oh you mean I shouldn't eat this these twenty wings and the side of French fries? And maybe get rid of this sixty pounds I'm carrying around my waist. They thought about it. And the easier thing is to get the twenty wings and the side of fries. And a couple beers. Because people are dealing with stuff all the time. So it's really hard for them to get. It's, it's best sometimes to take little bites. And sometimes it's good to do a radical change. But it's up to that person. And if we could just treat them and say, listen, I understand. Just like my friend who's uh, an acquaintance that was a nutritionist. I don't know what he's going through. I know he's a great nutritionist. The things he told me work to this day. He told me one time when I was ordering cheese, he said, ordering cheese. When I go to the store and get cheese. If I'm getting like, get white cheese. Not because he's a racist. Because milk is white. It shouldn't be orange. That's food dye. Try to get go to the most truest form that you're going to get. Like, except for some of these vegetables and stuff like that. But I used to eat raw broccoli and raw spinach. And I still do that to this day. i will if I'm hungry, I'll, I'll munch on a bunch of raw broccoli and stuff. It takes a lot of time to chew that, but it's in order to keep my weight under control. Now I'm, I'm, I'm within a couple pounds of my weight that it came down to the keys with. Around, I'm about seven pounds away from that weight. I may not be able to ever get to it, but if I keep on doing it, taking a little bite, building these new habits, and realizing the gratification. There's not immediate gratification. It's more of a a level six or level seven on the gratification instead of that bouncing gratification you get from eating a slice of chocolate cake. Goes to nine. Get the gratifications. Oh, this is so good, so delicious. But then you feel that afterwards, maybe like a sugar coma, sugar hangover, and then the little guilt. And then if you put on a couple pounds, you about that. That's flattening out the lines of gratification. Someone could be high when you, get, when you get in really decent shape. It's really hard to maintain a certain level. It really is. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't try. And being able to put a subject to someone and say, hey, listen, there's a possibility you could have a different life. Right? Who wouldn't like to have a different life? You know, in Austin Powers, Fat Bastard said, I have to get to know someone I haven't talked to and that's me. I haven't spoken to in a long time. That's the truth. You know, you isn't necessarily the alcoholic, the overeater, the sex addicted, the drug addicted. You is not. you, You are not that. You is not. How about that? You are not that thing. You are something more. You are not your habits. Now people may identify you. That that's that's their problem. They gotta see beyond that. I see people that come in that have mental health problems, they have these issues. I'm gonna turn this off because this is definitely a spam call. There we go. And there I made a prejudgment. But it came up red. It came up red as a spam call and I had it before, so I hit it. It probably identified it as a spam right away. But Getting back to it. You are not your addiction. You are not a fat person. You're not a crazy person. You're not a drunk person. You're not a drug-addicted person. You're just a person. And what you decide to do with that afterwards and what you try you endeavor to do will define you. And people remember that you made the attempts. I've worked with people in the past that have never lost the weight they wanted to, but they always try. And that trying defines you. That trying, attempting to do things, defines you in a good way. That means you care enough to think about another way of doing things. So yeah, we're not always going to be perfect. You don't have to kick yourself for something. It's really hard to do that change. It's really hard to do that change. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. I I care about it when I come in here and uh, I don't want to ruin the message because, you know, just because I don't drink, I don't believe anybody else shouldn't drink because I realize most people are normal and they don't have a problem. Most people don't overeat. Most people have portion controls. Most people don't have mental problems. Okay? Okay. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it about them. And it shouldn't make you feel just because you have that difficulty doesn't mean that you're worse or better than they are. You can be be great. You may be a great person once you defeat your things. That achievement of overcoming a disorder could be the thing that defines you. I had a friend uh, last year who lived his whole life here in the keys. Whole life. And he was in, I guess he's in his 30s now. And he moved. And he was in the service industry for a long time. He delivered pizzas and things like that. And he was overweight for the longest time. He would just hang out with his parents. Never had a girlfriend. Had friends. Nice guy. Great guy. Great personality. And he just decided to move and take a job. Someplace else. And I told him when he was leaving, because I could never tell him before. I never thought of telling him before, but I thought I gave him this thing. I said, I imparted my wisdom that I learned from moving down here. I said, when you move, no one knows you. Only you know you. Don't tell them who you are. Show them who you are. You can be whatever you want. You can be whatever you want where you are. I know it sounds like pie in the sky, but... That's the one thing about being someplace new. I always people say, did you come down here to the Keys for the fishing, the water, the, the drinking, the partying? No, I came down here to get away from me because everyone knew me up in Philadelphia. and They still know me up in Philadelphia and they knew me as a heavy drinking, partying guy. Now, I did some of that down here. But primarily, out of the 14 years I've been here, 14 years, yeah, that's right. I have been, nine, wait, uh, nine of those years were sober. And most people down here know me as a sober person a sober entrepreneur who will try, has several small companies, does a podcast, is a spin instructor, a completely different person other than, you know, obviously I'm, you know, pain in the ass when it comes to harassing people jokingly. I don't mean harass people where you charge them for, it, but you know what I mean, the comedic harassment. I chose my words badly on that, but I became... I thought about the person I wanted to become and that's with the way I presented myself. And this person that moved out of town presented himself that way. And he came into town recently and he has a beautiful girlfriend. He has a different attitude. I would tell him, it was smart that he waited to come back here, came back with it. And um, when I went up to him and her and met her, I said to... Him. it was good to see you I hear you're great I looked at the girl, pretty girl and I said he is a great guy a great catch I know, you say I'm a guy saying that to another guy, a woman but he is, he's a good guy and I said I'm sure you're a good um, a good person too you're with him so he he is worlds different. I think he lost some weight. He had some confidence and all that stuff, and he did it. He did it because he be- believed in what he was doing and what he was changing. I'm saying it's not 100% turn around and come back looking like uh, he was Mr. Olympia, but he changed enough that his life changed. And you, you could do that too. You could do that too. I really, I, I really hate to see people stuck in a rut. As long as you're sucking air in the worst places, you could change. People do it in prison. They do it in rehab. They do it in horrible situations. It could be your family life. But they, they, make, they make that change. I know it sounds like that Michael Jackson, man in the mirror. That was insane. So man, woman in the mirror, person in the mirror, child in the mirror, whatever. Don't don't let that thing that's monkey on your back define you. Because it's not you. It doesn't have to be you. You can still be in it. But just know this. Just know this. There is possibility for change. And it doesn't have to be that way. Okay, well, this is Jim the uh, Keys bartender. I'd like to thank you for listening. I'm sorry I was on my soapbox, but for the people that do listen, I felt it was my responsibility to say that. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. I'll be back and I'll uh, try to live my life the best way I can. I, who knows? You know, it's it's a it's a struggle, but I'm gonna try to do it. Till then, take care. Here's a little music for you.